Welcome to the Jumpstart Your Faith podcast channel, where you will receive the essential tools to take your faith to the next level. I am your host, Brian Ratliff, and I currently pastor Clearbrook Baptist Church in Roanoke, Virginia. Here is the latest message preached from one of our services. Grab your Bible, pen, notepad, and get ready to jumpstart your faith. As I have been preparing for ministry for all these years, I always thought that in Bible college or seminary they would teach you a few more things than what they actually do. I figured they would have a, have a class that would teach you how to handle certain issues that you're going to be bombarded with within the ministry. However, those classes are not available. Another class that I think would be good, or at least a lesson, or at least a little bit of time would be, is how to have hard conversations with people, or how to respond when people say things that are just brutally honest. If you don't know anything about ministry, may I just brief you up to speed, is that Christians can be a little extreme in their honesty, <laughs> and also non-Christians. I was having a, a, a lunch with, with a non-Christian, a friend of mine, and he was just being extremely honest with me one day, and he looked at me, I, I was sitting there across the table from him, and he said, Brian, I just want to be honest with you. I feel like that you're wasting your life giving it over to ministry. How would you respond if somebody told that to you? Well, I didn't really know what to say, so I just did what I do best. I went emotionless, cold, and just acted like he never said what he said. Sometimes it's the best way to respond. Sometimes it's probably not the best way to respond. One thing that ministry is, has made me learn is that sometimes you have to develop that emotionless, cold stare and just receive whatever somebody is sharing with you. Today I share that simply to say this, that it is not a wasted life giving it over to ministry. In fact, you will waste your life if you don't serve God in ministry. So the next time somebody ever tells you that you're going to live a wasted life if you give it over to the study of God's Word or the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ, they say that to you, you can just look at them like they're crazy and they're a quack and they need to get right with God. Today I want to label my thoughts with these words. I believe that this chapter reveals to us a very needed ministry that our church needs, that every church needs, and that the body of Christ needs today. And it's this thought, the ministry of encouragement. The ministry of encouragement. It's what you need daily. It's what I need daily. It's what we all need. I believe that the reason why we're seeing a great increase in pastors who are great orators fall to sin is because they are not being encouraged the way they need to be. I believe that we see Christians, no matter whether they're a pastor or not, falling to the deceitfulness of sin is because we as a body are not encouraging others the way we are called to do that. Today it's time that we lay aside our words of execution and bring to the table words of encouragement. Wouldn't it be great if we built each other up in the faith instead of tearing people down in the faith? Now listen, I, I like to stand where God stands, and there's a time where we have to make a firm stand about sin and about certain issues, but God wants us to do it graciously and with compassion. And what we need today is men, women, boys and girls of all ages and stages who offer encouragement to their fellow brothers and sisters. 
It's time that we stop beating each other up with our words and we start helping each other with our words. It's time that we stop ridiculing one another with the words that flow out of our mouths and from our heart and we start helping and encouraging and building each other up, my dear friends. I don't know about you, but I am tired. I am sick and tired of all the, the ridiculous nonsense going on in churches these days about their fellow brother or sister across the pew or across the aisle. It's time, my dear friends, that we rise up to the level of maturity in our faith and we encourage each other with our words. Why should we encourage each other? I'm glad you asked. It's because we're called to do it. The ministry of encouragement is not God's suggestion. It's His declaration. I want to share a key statement with you that's not only going to summarize, I believe, these 13 verses, but it's going to summarize the title, the, excuse me, the content of my sermon today. And remember, when we are studying 1 Thessalonians, we are keeping in view the return of Jesus Christ and how we can prepare for it. That's what this book is about. It's about the return of Christ and how we can prepare for it. And I'm here to remind you that if you don't believe Jesus is coming again, you need to get right with God. You need to reread the Word of God, the Old and the New Testament, because He is coming, and He's coming very soon. When preparing for Christ's return, encourage others. That's the key statement for today's sermon. When preparing for Christ's return, encourage others. That's what you're called to do. That's what I'm called to do as a pastor, and that's what you're called to do as a fellow Christian. Encourage one another. Well, I believe this passage reveals to us three ways that we can encourage each other, and that we're all called to do it. I want to share with you, first of all, from verses 1 through 4, these four words. Encourage others with visitation. As I read verses 5 through 8, the next section of our chapter, I wrote down secondly, encourage others with edification. And then as I read the last section, verses 9 through 13, I wrote down thirdly, encourage others with supplication. So today we're going to look at visitation, we're going to look at edification, and we're going to look at supplication. Will you come with me as we move through this passage of Scripture, look at verses 1 through 4. As I read these four verses, I wrote down, first of all, encourage others with visitation. Verse number 1 of chapter 3 of 1 Thessalonians says, Wherefore, when we could no longer forbear... Now, this word forbear, it literally means that, that we got to a point in our lives where we could no longer endure the absence of not knowing how it's going back there in Thessalonica. I need you to understand this. In Acts chapter 16, the Apostle Paul and Silas are out on their second missionary journey, and they go to the city of Philippi. You know the story. They get thrown in jail for preaching the gospel, and they, have a, they, get, they get jailhouse religion, you know? And this was the good jailhouse religion. They were praying and singing praise to God at midnight, and the earthquake shook place, uh, shook the place so hard the jail doors opened up and and the, the guard comes in and says sirs what must I do to be saved and he, they said hey believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and if you have never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ you need to do so before you will be eternally damned forever and ever and ever and ever God wants to save you and he wants to use you and then in Acts chapter 17 we find the Apostle Paul, they journey to a couple different cities, but they land in Thessalonica. And you know the story behind this, I've shared with it, but I just want to briefly recap with you. 
that they go and they meet this guy, Jason. They go to the synagogue for about three weeks, give or take. And there they, they are sharing with these Jewish people in the synagogue the Old Testament and how it relates to the Messiah and how they believe the Messiah was Jesus Christ. And so a church was birthed. Some of those Jewish people got saved. Some of those people rejected the message. And then some of the Gentiles caught wind of the message and they get saved. And then Jason opens up his house and they start a church in the house and they begin meeting. And then some people come and they assault Jason's house and they send Paul and they send Silas and they send them away and they go to Berea. And there they do the same thing. They go to the synagogues and there they share the gospel. They share the word of God and people receive that word with all readiness of mind. And then the Jewish people in Thessalonica hear about this, and so they travel over to Berea. And they cause the city of Berea to get an uproar. And then it forces Paul to go to a city called Athens, which is mentioned in verse 1. Look at verse 1. It says, Wherefore, when we could no longer forbear, this word forbear, as I said, it means to no longer endure the time of not knowing what's going on in Thessalonica. We thought it good to be left at Athens alone. And this is the time where, where the Apostle Paul, he preaches that famous sermon about the unknown God. And he said, you were ignorantly worshiping this unknown God, and there he preached Jesus to them. And now with that in mind, we see verse 2. Here's where the ministry of encouragement begins to play effect. It says, and sent Timotheus, or Timothy, our brother and minister of God, now, Timothy is mentioned two times in this chapter, and it, it's emphasized a, a couple times here because this was a man that God chose to use through the influence of the Apostle Paul to travel back to Thessalonica, there to minister to these people, and there to encourage them and to comfort them concerning their faith. Look at verse 2. It says, he was a brother. That means he bowed his knee. He confessed with his mouth that Jesus is Lord. There was a time in his life, and by the way, may I just pause? is that sometimes in the Christianity in our world, we think that only God can use men. But Timothy's life is a direct example of how God used women to influence him. His mother and his grandmother taught him the word of God. And may I say this? Some of the greatest theologians in our world today are not the ones with all the PhDs and the Masters of Divinities and all those degrees, but it's the ladies within the bodies of Christ who have taken time on a, on a daily basis, a yearly in their life, and they've devoted it to studying God's Word. And the two women in Timothy's life did that, and we find that in 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, Paul writes to this young man and he talks about how from a child he learned the Holy Scriptures and he was taught by his mother and grandmother. So ladies, may God use you to influence your children and your grandchildren the way that those two ladies did with Timothy. So he goes on to say he was not just a brother, not just a minister, but he's a fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ. That's what we're all called to labor in. I don't care what your occupation of how you make a living is. Our spiritual occupation is to go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to receive Christ as Savior. And he goes on to say here, it says to establish you and to comfort you concerning your faith. As I begin to study these words, I began to just write down this, the ministry of encouragement. And I wrote down this thought, encourage others with visitation. 
Now, I'm not saying you need to develop a schedule where at, at 6 a.m. you go to the hospital and you visit people there, and then at 10 a.m. you go to, over to the nursing home, or, or at 2 p.m. you go over to uh, visit some of the uh, orphans or, or, or widows. I, I'm not saying you need to devise a, a game plan like that, although that would be great if, if your schedule allows it. But what I am saying is at some point in your uh, life, you need to make time to go visit people. It says here, why was Timothy going here? He was going to encourage them in their faith. In verse 3 says that no man should be moved by those afflictions. The greatest time that we can visit somebody is during a trial or a tragedy that they have experienced in their own personal lives. And the Apostle Paul is sending Timothy. He couldn't go. And there's times in life where... where a man like Paul was so consumed with going out and sharing God's word that he had to send people to help him out and help the workload of the ministry. And that's what's going on here. And we are called to do the same. To visit those in their afflictions. Now, due to technology, we can do it in a variety of ways. We can visit people with the actual bodily presence of knocking on their door and spending time with them or meeting them out or taking them out to eat or going to get a cup of coffee or something. We can do that. We can also do it through phone calls, through text messages, through emails, through cards, through all sorts of avenues. But the one that was chosen here in this passage was a man left the city and he traveled back to Thessalonica and there he ministered. It says... That no man should be moved by these afflictions. I believe that trials are the tools God uses to draw us closer to Him. And until we all come to that conclusion, we will be bitter in our relationship towards God. We have to understand that God works all things out for believers, according to Romans chapter 8. And here in this chapter, he says, for yourselves know that we were appointed thereunto. They all went through these trials in this time period. I mean, just imagine going to a city, starting a church, and these uh, officials come to your door. They assault your house because you started a church and were preaching that Jesus was crucified and he rose again and he's the only way of salvation. And verse 4 says, for verily, when we were with you, we told you before that we should suffer tribulation, even as it came to pass, and you know. If you know the New Testament, if you've ever read the book of Acts, if you've ever studied it, you know that these apostles, these early church uh, believers, went through great trials for their faith. In fact, they went so, to such extremes in their faith that honestly, we probably sound like a bunch of crying babies who didn't get their milk because of the things that we go through. I've never been in prison for my faith. I've never been held a gun to my head for my faith. I've never been threatened to have my head chopped off for my faith. But these fellows, many of them were crucified, some upside down, some beheaded, tortured, all for their faith. And whenever somebody goes through a trial like that, we're called to, to, to minister to them. We're called to reach out to them. One of, the, one of the ways that I've seen that can help calm somebody is through a personal visitation. When you step in 
and just say, hey, I'm sorry for what's going on, but I want you to know that I'm praying for you. That is comforting. And that's pretty much what Timothy was doing. Now in verses 1 through 4, I wrote down, encourage others with visitation. Remember, keep it all in, in, in context that, that the return of Christ is coming, it is imminent, and it can happen at any moment, at any time, and that we are called to be ready for it. And as we prepare for that return, we have to encourage others with the ministry of encouragement. Verses 5 through 8, I wrote down secondly, not only encourage others with visitation, but here's a good one, encourage others with edification. Encourage others with edification. Now, we touched on this a little bit in the introduction, but now we're going to really zoom in. Look at verse 5. It says, for this cause, notice everything that was just written, not just verses 1 through 4, but really everything in the entire book. He says, for this cause, when I could no longer forbear. In other words, he said, because you guys were going through these trials, and, and man, I just couldn't endure the pain and agony of not knowing your estate and your affairs, so I sent to know your faith. Lest by some means, here it is now, Look at this. This is good stuff. Lest by some means the tempter have tempted you and our labor be in vain. There's been a lot of Christians throughout the years who have gone through hardships, yourselves included. And when that happens, when those people are neglected, in ministry, the devil can step in and cause major, major problems in the relationship with God. That's why edification, that's why building each other up with our words is so important. That's why when, when the writer of Hebrews said, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, but he talks about daily edifying each other. When we meet together on a regular basis, we're called to edify. We're called to build each other up. And that's what the modern church is lacking. Is that we are so consumed with tearing each other down that so many Christians are suffering in their walk with God. Not only did he say that the tempter could have stepped in and tempted them, but their labor could have been in vain. This is the same writer who said that our labor is not in vain. Twice throughout the New Testament. And here he said that there was a chance where their labor could have been in vain. All because of edification and visitation. Look, verse 6. I like this verse. It says, But now when Timothy came from you unto us and brought us good tidings. I like that phrase. Good tidings. That's a, that's a phrase we use with a lot of our Christmas songs. But it's, but it's, a, it's in other words, he's saying he brought us good news. Of your faith and charity. So these people were going through such, just such an extreme amount of persecution, affliction, and tribulation that Timothy comes back and reports and says, Hey guys, I want to let you know that, that even in the midst of all the things they've gone through, they still have great love for the body, they still have great love for the lost, and they still have great faith. What a testimony. May God grant you the grace, grant you the mercy, grant all of us the need to do the same in those situations. It says, and that ye have good remembrance of us always. That's always good. 
when they're thinking good thoughts about their fellow comrades in the faith. Desiring greatly to see us as we also to see you. You need to keep in mind that this was a personal letter that the Apostle Paul is writing to these people. And then it goes on to say in verse 7, Therefore, brethren, we were comforted over you in all our affliction and distress by your faith. Timothy goes to Thessalonica. He visits them, and then he edifies them. Remember, it talked about how he was there to establish them and to comfort them in their faith. And as he did that, now listen, I have no idea exactly what was said or what was done. But all we know that something was said and something was done. And everything that we could talk about is all speculation and it's all guesswork. But here, we know that he did establish them. He came and he helped give them a firmer foundation in their faith. And then he comforted them. He, he, in fact, this word comfort, as we're going to get to it in just a few moments, it gives the idea of also praying for them. And so he comes and he literally disciples them and he takes them. They were kind of at an elementary stage in their faith. And he comes and he stays with them for a little while and he takes them to the next level. And that's what we're called to do. We're edifying each other. You're called to help me in my faith and I'm called to help you in your faith. And now I like verse 8. Probably if there's a key verse in this passage, it'd be this one. For now we live, if ye stand fast in the Lord. When preparing for Christ's return, encourage others. The ministry of encouragement is very simple. Visit somebody. Edify them. But now I want to share with you from verses 9 through 13, probably the most important aspect of encouragement. And it's prayer. So I wrote down thirdly, encourage others with supplication. Encourage others with supplication. Have you ever noticed that prayer is something that's one of the most talked about things in the life of a Christian? But it's one of the most or the one of the least practiced aspects of the Christian life. We talk about praying for this and praying for that. We talk about, you know, how we need to do it and we need to devote time to it. But we just never do it. I'm amazed at the statistics. I don't know how true these things are. But they say that, that, that the average pastor only prays like five to ten minutes a day. And the average Christian only prays about three to five minutes a day. I'm not saying that you need to wake up at 3 a.m. in the mornings and you need to spend four hours with God in prayer. I'm not saying that today. Although, some of the greatest warriors in church history were like that. In fact, the more I study George Whitfield, the more I study John and Charles Wesley, the more I study these older saints of, of a few hundred years ago, the more I, I am convicted of my lack of prayer. How they did rise early in the mornings at like 3 and 4 a.m. and would pray hours with God. I believe it was said by Martin Luther uh, that, that he literally spent three to five hours with God in prayer every single day. And I'll be honest with you. I'm lucky if I do that in a week sometimes because things get so, so busy. Look at verse 9. For what thanks can we render to God again for you? For all the joy wherewith we joy for your sakes before our God. 
night and day. Now this, this is just convicting as all can be. It says, night and day praying exceedingly. In other words, he's saying, we're praying all the time for you guys. And I wonder how few of us could say the same thing about each other here. It says, that we may see your face and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. Verse 11, now God himself and our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way into you. And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another. And toward all men, even as we do toward you. To the end ye may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. It doesn't take a lot of praying to encourage somebody. All it does is take time to do it. Now, I've shared this with you before, but I think it is, it is important that I share it with you again. In my first year of seminary, I was 23 years of age, and I was going through a unique season of ministry and just life. And I just told myself that I'm done with all this. And I'm just going to throw the towel in, and I'm going to figure out another way. There's too many headaches with all this stuff, and there's so many problems. Everybody has problems, and, and why do they come to me? I'm 23 years old, for crying out loud. Why would you come to me? Anyways, it dawned on me, hey, you're the pastor. Uh, that's why people are coming to you. Anyways, I, I was sitting there between classes, and a, a, a peer of mine came up to me, and he literally took 30 seconds. And he said, Brian, I just can tell things are not going right, or something is not right. May I pray for you? And so there in the middle of a room with a bunch of other seminary students, this guy took time. 30 seconds and prayed for me and I'm still living off the fumes of those prayers. I say that to simply say this. It doesn't take much to encourage somebody. Just a little text message or a little prayer. Are you encouraging your fellow brothers and sisters? The ministry of encouragement is extremely vital for the local body to become vibrant, to become healthy, and to have revival. I believe that we would see an outpouring of the Spirit of God here at our church if we would cease from tearing each other down and we just simply start building each other up. If we would to stop, if we just stop gossiping about each other and we start praying for each other, that's what it's going to take. How many of you here today want to see God move in a great way? Would you raise your hand? How many of you want to see God move in your own life? Well, it's time that we call to action and that we start encouraging each other. Will you pray with me? Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning in to the Jumpstart Your Faith podcast channel. As a token of my appreciation for you listening today, I would like to give you my free ebook devotional called Jumpstart Your Faith, 30 Days to a Renewed Faith in Christ. 
just go to www.pastorbrianratliff.com to download it. Please be sure to subscribe to this podcast channel to listen to more messages like today's. And if these messages have been helpful to you, please leave a review. If I could be of any help in your spiritual walk, please let me know by emailing me at pastorbrianratliff at yahoo.com. And one last thing, if you're in Roanoke, please consider joining us for one of our worship services at Clearbrook Baptist Church. Until next time, may God's blessings be upon you and have a great week.